Hello, and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We conclude another year and look forward to the next as Executive Director of Family Transformation Jimmy Kim brings us this New Year's Eve sermon entitled, To the Glory of God in the New Year, which covers Leviticus chapter 23, verses 1 to 2 and 23 to 25, and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. For more information and to watch or hear other sermons, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. Today's scripture reading comes from Leviticus 23, 1 through 2, and 23 through 25, and Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And together, let's pray our prayer of illumination. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us that we may in such a way hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Perimeter Church. Uh, my name is Jimmy Kim, one of the, the leaders here, uh, pastors here, and so glad to um, be here uh, delivering God's word for us this morning on the last day of 2023. And as we look forward to 2024, I want to make sure that um, if you are in Atlanta and you're looking for a church home, and even if you're not, and if you're here in Atlanta, uh, I would encourage you, would you come back? Come back to Perimeter. Next week, our senior pastor, Jeff Norris, will begin a new series called Kingdom Parables. And I know that uh, it will serve us well moving into 2024, that entire series, but especially that first one. So make sure you're back for us with that. All right, so um, the, the obvious, right? We're here, today is New Year's Eve, and I don't know what your uh, New Year's Eve celebrations or customs or traditions look like. I will guarantee you the majority of you did not grow up with a tradition like mine. And that is every New Year's Eve, around 10 p.m., I would go to church, I would eat a big giant bowl of um, Korean rice cake soup, um, and I know when I say rice cake, that doesn't sound appealing. You might be thinking like birthday cake, wedding cake. It's not sweet. It's a glutinous rice tube cut into medallion. It doesn't make any sense. Go, go look it up, Korean New Year's meal. 
right? We would have that, and then we would pray. We would literally gather together for a worship service. I would have, uh, in my church growing up, a, a little index card, and that would be my prayer for the year. And I would take it up to the pastor. He would pray over that prayer and for me. And he would do that for every single family and uh, an individual in the church. Uh, and at some point, uh, there was a countdown, uh, 1094, 1098765432211. Happy New Year. And then we go home and had more soup later in the day. Um, so for any of you looking for new traditions to start, don't come here tonight. There will be no church service, no bowl of soup, um, no pastor praying over your prayer requests here in person. Although if you're online and you want to drop in a prayer request, you can certainly do that. We will gladly pray with and for you through that way. Um, but yeah, that was my tradition. And I'm not planning on doing that tonight. Um, I have spared my third generation kids uh, from that formative experience that my wife and I experienced while growing up in Korean churches. Uh, and there are certainly lots of great things that came out of that, don't get me wrong. Uh, but whatever your tradition is, um, we're probably going to do a lot of remembering of the past and looking forward to in the future, right? I mean, I think that's a natural uh, occasion of New Year's Day. It's just a part of our calendar. And what a great time for us to do that. In scripture, what we had just read for us in Leviticus 23, um, God establishes a rhythm for remembering and looking forward. And that is in the feasts and the festivals in the Israelite and now Jewish calendar. 23 verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, say to them, these are the appointed feasts. Okay, these aren't just suggestions, these are Appointed, required, established to set the rhythm of the nation. Say to them, these are the appointed feasts that the Lord shall proclaim as holy convocations, holy gatherings. They are my feasts. They are feasts that are meant to set the rhythm for the entire country, for every individual, for every family. And you might think, you know, okay, well, how many feasts are there? Well, if you look through Leviticus 23 and Numbers 19, you will see that there are six of them. And we're just looking at one. That is the Feast of Trumpets, which is on the first day of the seventh month, which according to the Jewish calendar is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year in the seventh month. Yes, I know. Confusing. You can imagine, uh, even for me, as I'm not Jewish, I told you I was Korean, uh, didn't celebrate Jewish holidays, though I was very thankful to get those days off when I was a kid growing up in the D.C. area. Um, but I didn't know what Rosh Hashanah was or its significance or the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then the Feast of Booths that happened all within the same month. Now, this was intentionally set again by God for the people of God. Right? And it was really um, that in conjunction with the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover and the Feast of uh, Weeks and Pentecost, which we now know it as today, uh, those were to set the rhythm for the people of God. You work and then you rest. You farm, you go about your life, and then you stop. There were seasons to celebrate. There were festivals to celebrate that, to remember that rhythm. We had to stop. Even in the creation order, right? We see this and we know this, right? For six days, God created. And on the seventh day, he rested. And even the, the annual rhythm, there were six years that you were to work. And on the seventh year, you were to rest. 
right? And so we see this natural rhythm that God is doing, a rhythm where his people were then to stop, to worship, to sacrifice, to remember what God has done and to look forward to what God was going to do. So if there's anything that you hear in this sermon today, it is this, it is that God establishes the rhythm of our lives and that these festivals, they are answered and they are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's my hope that uh, I aim to go toward through this entire sermon. The feasts were set to, uh, to, to be the rhythm for the worship for the people of God. And while it was connected to the agricultural cycle, right, to the rainy season, to the dry season, to the planting season, to the harvesting season, God did not want for the Israelites their calendar to reflect and depend on what was going on out there, but rather as a significant historical remembrance as well. So that's why the Passover, which happens earlier in the year, excuse me, and then the harvest time, which came along with these three other feasts in the rainy season as well. It was less about the seasons of summer, fall, winter, and spring. and was more about what God had provided for them, not in rain and not in sunshine alone, but what and how he intervened in the history of the Israelites out of Egypt in their wandering and for their sin. And don't be mistaken. You can look at these feasts and think abundance. I don't know the last time if you've ever been invited to a feast at someone's house and they showed you an empty and bare table. You would think that is a bad host. Why would you invite me to your house for a feast and not give me anything? These feasts in the Old Testament were not just about abundance in the here and now. Let me read from the Liturgy of Creation. Uh, the author writes this, the emphasis on feasting as the anticipated mark of God's goodness probably points, now listen, to the people's longed for rather than experienced abundance. The longed for abundance. So it was an opportunity to gather together to worship. And you might have had a season of plentiful bounty and harvest and we celebrate for that. But it was also possible for the Israelites to gather and there was nothing. There was drought and the harvest was slim. And they were wondering, where are we going to go? How are we going to survive? And so even the feasts, the festivals that were appointed were to remind the people of Israel, what you may have in your storehouses may be light, but what you have to come, it is great and it is weighty. So trust that I will provide for you is what God says in these feasts. We establish a rhythm, or rather God establishes this rhythm for the Israels. We do the same thing, right? We think about our calendars. We think about our, our, our months, our weeks, our days, and how we're going to break them up. So why should we then seek to have a rhythm of worship and work in our lives? Because it is for our own good. To set the course of our lives just on work alone is unhealthy. We will grow weary. We'll grow tired. Without this sense of a rhythm of work and Sabbath, life will soon seem endless. It may become mindless and it might even meander into purposelessness. And so I ask you, as you think back on 2023, are those the words that you would use to describe it? Endless, 
This year's never going to end. Meaningless, all, the, all the, the work that I do and all the, the, the work that I put into X, Y, Z is all meaningless. And then you start losing a sense of purpose for your life. If that is where you are, you're probably hopeful for 2024. And I hope all of us in this room, we remain hopeful, not for a year, but for the Lord who holds all time in his hands. These feasts and festivals in the Old Testament, they called the individuals and the families and the nation of Israel to remember God, to proclaim him, and to abide in God as they wandered in the desert, as they established themselves in the promised land, and as they awaited a Messiah. And for us today, I want us to do the same. Let's look back on 2023 and forward to 2024 by remembering, by proclaiming, and by abiding. So our first point for today, remembering, remembering his faithfulness, remembering the faithfulness of God. Again, let's take a look at that first uh, festival that we see here, um, or rather the Feast of Trumpets that happened on the first day in the seventh month. Verse 23, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel, saying in the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest. A day of rest. A memorial proclaimed with a blast of trumpets. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. Why set off this kind of festival or this feast in this way? because they were to gather to remember how God called them out of Egypt and called them who were once not a people to be a people, who were once not a nation to be a nation, a people once without a God to have a God. Remember God's faithfulness to you, even as you wander in the desert, he says to the Israelites. And he even says to us today, Remember God's faithfulness, the way that he has provided for you, the way that he has supplied your every need, the way that he has saved you. We are gathering together to rest and to worship. And so I hope that today, not just because it's Sunday, but because it's New Year's Eve, that you take opportunity to look back, to rest. Leave the decorations up for another day, it's fine. Rest. And remember, remember God's faithfulness and his promises to you. There's a danger. There's a danger in forgetting. And that's why we have to work hard at remembering. The Israelites were barely out of the borders of Egypt before they started longing to go back because they wanted meat to eat. They wanted vegetables. They wanted all sorts of things. They forgot about this little thing called slavery because they were hungry. May we not be a people who forget so quickly the goodness and the faithfulness of a God who has saved us and is good to us. We, we know what it's like to celebrate holidays and special occasions in America, right? And I, I think there's no greater American holiday than Independence Day. Now I'm gonna go out on a limb. No one in this room was alive then, right? Yes, right? I know that's hyperbole. Obviously, none of us were alive then, but we all take part in this day as if we did something. We, we reap in the, the, the benefits of having become a nation 200 years ago. We celebrate Independence Day, even though we did nothing in it. And we can rightly do that 
because it is good for us to remember. Now, this is not a remembering of let's shoot things into the air and make lots of explosions. I hope that's not what Independence Day is alone to you. But it's a day for you to remember and to remind yourself that we were once not a nation. God has saved God's people in Israel. And I would even argue here today, us. Not just Independence Day, but there are other special occasions that we know that we don't have to think very hard about the importance of holidays and remembrance, right? Birthdays, anniversaries, those are good things to remember, right? Husbands, remember your wife's birthday, remember your anniversary, good things to remember, bad things will happen if you don't remember those things. Trust me, I know, unfortunately, from experience. Christmas too, these are holidays that live deep within our consciousness, as individuals and as families and even as a nation. And we benefit from remembering what those holidays represent. So this idea of a feast or a festival is not a foreign concept to us, is it? No. Now, I will say this too. Along with remembrance and along with holidays and birthdays and anniversaries, we remember a lot of the bad too. A lot of the hard as well. They can be painful. They can be incredibly, how do you say, just, it sucks the life out of you. And if that's the season that you're in or have been in, the festivals are good news because it's not just a remembering of what once was, but it's also a hopefulness of what will be in Christ, in heaven, for eternity. So maybe your years of painful longing to be with a loved one might seem long, but in comparison to eternity with Christ forever, it pales in comparison. So then you might be asking yourself your question, I hope you are, how then do you live a life that remembers God's faithfulness? Well, I'll give you three easy things to remember in three words. One, Sabbath. Two, habits. Three, service. Sabbath, habits, service. Sabbath, habits, service. I almost said surface. That doesn't make any sense for this sermon. We can maybe make it work if we tried really hard. Sabbath, first. In the new year, make the Sabbath a priority, both in regards to the Sabbath day, that being Sunday. Come to church. Parents of young kids, I get it. Some days it's really hard to get out of bed. Now, when your kids are sick or you're sick, stay home, stream it in. God bless technology, okay? But don't let, oh, this new restaurant open up down the street and we can get brunch reservations at 1045. Let's skip church to go to that. I love brunch, but guys, let's love the Sabbath and let's love gathering together with God's people more. Parents, you can set that tradition, not just tradition, you set that rhythm and that habit importance of Sabbath. God did not create for seven days. Neither did he rest for seven days. He worked for six and then he rested on the seventh. Let us employ that same model in our own lives. If you uh, have been at Perimeter for some time, you know that we just finished a, a series on the Ten Commandments. Go back to that sermon on the Sabbath. It is important for you. So rest and worship and have that regular rhythm weekly 
This is something that you can direct easily to God. And when you gather, when you're here, you remember and think upon God's faithfulness. Secondly, our habits. Now, this is where most of us, when we think about our resolutions for 2024, will probably rest. I want a new habit in 2024. And I think these are good things to do. You should do that, right? If the, January 1st is a great time to begin new resolutions and new habits, right? Um, habits that will improve um, your physical self, your mental state, your spiritual health. Practice those things. Employ those things into your life. These are good things to do. All right, it might include regular prayer, scripture memory. It might include a combination of these things. You might say, I'm going to get however many steps in every day. And as I take my steps, I'm going to listen to the Bible on tape. On, you know what I mean, through the app. All right, no one listens on tape. If you're walking out with a Walkman, walking your dog, awesome. You are my hero. Um, I don't know why I said tape. That's weird. I need to develop a new habit of using my app. That's what I need to do. Um, remember God's faithfulness through those little habits every day. You can establish those rhythms. And when you fail, get up and do it again. Keep going. Keep going. Especially if you know that it's going to help you grow closer to the Lord. Now, let me say this. A quick caveat here um, to promote something, but also just as a challenge to every parent in the room. Right? Um, Parents, you know, our habits and the habits that we develop for our children have incredible impact. Both the good habits and traditions that we try to set for our children, as well as the less than good, right? The unintentional lessons that we give to our kids um, that sometimes they tend to learn better from. One of those things is going to church on Sunday. Parents, bring your kids. Secondly, Get into the habit of living out your faith and practicing it out at home. Don't reserve it for Sunday only. Let me read this. This book from uh, Christian Smith. Um, he wrote a book called Handing Down to Faith uh, with another author. I don't have her name here. Um, but Handing Down to Faith, a fantastic resource uh, for anyone that's into like surveys and data and sociological study. Uh, and he writes this. All the research in the U.S. today it shows clearly that parents are by far the most important factor influencing their children's religion, not only as a youth, but also after they leave home. It's not clergy, it's not religious school, it's not youth ministers, it's not neighborhoods, it's not Sunday school, it's not mission trips, it's not service projects, it's not summer camp, it's not peers or the media. He's not saying that those things are, aren't important. He's saying that they pale in comparison to the impact that parents have on their own children. Parents, that is who matters here and now. Parents define for their children uh, the role that religious faith and practice ought to play in life, whether important or not. Most children roughly adopt. And if you're a parent right now and you hear this, you're probably thinking, oh yeah, I've got some habits for 2024 that I think I need to improve upon. So with that, I want to make you aware of a parent equipping night that the church is doing in conjunction with Perimeter School. Um, 
January 23rd, it's a Monday night, uh, Justin Whitmill Early. Some of you may know that name because he wrote a book literally called The Habits of the Household. Some of you have read that book and have employed and implemented some of those habits into your daily family rhythms. Great job, continue to do that. For those of you who have never heard of Justin or that work, that might be a great resource for you in the coming year. But this is a free event for everyone. Whether you have young children in the home or not, I encourage you, would you come and invite a friend, invite a neighbor to come with you. You can find more information on the Perimeter website. So Sabbath habits, thirdly, service. Why service? How might service remind us of God's faithfulness? Well, it reminds us because typically when we serve, we are serving other people typically in our own community, whether it's in our church community here at Perimeter or maybe in our neighborhoods, in our cities. And as we go, because God commands us to go and to be ministers and to be agents of reconciliation or ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of God, we remember our mission and our purpose by serving the needs of others. Sometimes, again, that happens here in the walls of our church through Kids Rock, Kids Thrive, Kids Quest, or student ministries. That might happen out in our community through community outreach and other places. But service is a vital, vital part to us remembering God's faithfulness to us. We get to then practice faithfulness to other people. And we do so not in our own strength, but because, rather, of God's faithfulness toward us. Secondly, Not only are we to remember his faithfulness, we also proclaim his sacrificial love. We proclaim his sacrificial love. That's what the Old Testament festivals were about, right? If you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, you often see sacrifices, burnt offerings, wave offerings, grain offerings, oil offerings, right? These things accompanied the feasts and the festivals and the worship services. Why? Is it because God is some kind of bloodlusty, hungry, you know, angry God? No, of course not. But the sacrifices were, were required in the Old Testament because there was a separation between God and his people. This separation that stems all the way back to Genesis 3. A separation that happened because of a disobedience between Adam and Eve and God as they broke the law. And rather than shedding the blood of Adam and Eve then and now, there was a separation. God cast them out of Eden. And then from that point forward, for anyone to come close to God, that separation had to be accounted for. And the way that it was accounted for was from the life of one being given to another, the life of the animal for the life of the one going to God. These Old Testament feasts and the offerings were to serve as a remembrance, a significance that we now see in the New Testament in the person of Christ. When Christ is seen, when Jesus is seen coming onto the scene in John chapter 1, what is it that the disciples say? Behold, the Lamb of God. That's not unintentional. Behold, look, remember, see, proclaim the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Not by some powerful scrubbing, no, but by his death and by his shed blood. 
Christ is the fulfillment of these Old Testament sacrifices. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus doesn't annul the law and the prophets. No, he instead says, I've come to fulfill them. I've come not to, to abolish them, but rather to fulfill. And then our, past, our second passage for today in Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4. Since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who draw near. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that there was once a system, a rhythm that existed that was only sufficient for a time. And it had to be repeated over and over and over again. Verse two, otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. No, but in these sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins because that Old Testament sacrificial system was a picture, a picture of what needed to happen. But those sacrifices were not sufficient to actually make the people right with God until Jesus came onto the scene. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Skipping down to verse 12, but when Christ had offered for a time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down, the work was done. No more festivals, no more feasts, no more sacrifices because Christ has accomplished it all. And then verse 18, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin because it was done in Christ and in Christ alone. So we proclaim his sacrificial love. We proclaim it by words that we remember and we, we recite. We remember it even in the ways that we gather to, to sing together. We sang about this today, in fact, already. In Christ alone, I place my trust. All of us, we will probably, as a part of our New Year's uh, resolutions, uh, may consider you know, how would you summarize 2023 in a word or a phrase? Or how will you think about 2024 in a word or a phrase? Well, as I think about that, that, sh that shouldn't be so odd to us because we actually do this a lot in our own lives. Maybe not just on January 1st. We, we impl implement phrases, things like, you can do it, right? Sometimes when I've had like a really long week, Getting up on a Friday to go back into the office is like, oof, I don't know if I can do this. I would rather just hit the snooze button and keep on sleeping. But then I might say in my head, you can do this, Jimmy, just one more day, right? When I watch my daughter play soccer, I know she is thinking, you can do it. Go, go, fight, fight. I don't know what your phrase is in your life, uh, but when I think about phrases for people, I think the best place where we see this is in a movie from 1987 called The Princess Bride. And you immediately know, I can say one word or a phrase and you will know exactly who I'm talking about. If I say, prepare to die, you know that comes from the mouth of Inigo Montoya, who is, he's hungry for revenge because his father was killed. Prepare to die. If I say the word inconceivable, you know who I'm talking about. You're talking about Vicini, right? Who exclaimed throughout the movie, inconceivable. And of course we have our hero, Wesley, as you wish, which was code for I love you. Even in the most mundane of things and the harshest of commands that he received, he would say, as you wish. 
What is going to be your phrase in 2024? There's a song, a hymn, that's been rewritten, uh, but I like the original the best. And it's entitled, And Can It Be? Listen to these words as we're thinking about proclaiming the sacrificial love of Christ. And can it be that I should gain an interest in uh, the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? For me who him to death pursued amazing love? How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? He left his father's throne above so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's race. Tis mercy all, immense and free. For oh my God, it found out me. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Now that's a little bit long for a phrase, but we can remember at least amazing love, how can it be? Brothers and sisters, let's proclaim God's sacrificial love to us in Christ. And we do that in big ways, in hard ways, in ordinary ways. We live a life that proclaims the gospel and the hard things. And these are those situations that sometimes you run into and you wonder, am I going to proclaim Christ now? I really don't want to do it. I don't want to stand with Christ now because it will damage my reputation. I'll be honest with you, I've been in that boat before. It's a daily struggle, in fact. Every time I go to one of my kids' soccer games or practices, it is very easy for me to just be one with the crowd. I would encourage you, whether it's on the ball fields, in the office, maybe just in your home with your family, the hard ways that you can proclaim Christ, would you practice that? Even though it might be damaging to your reputation, the more serious thing that I want to actually point out to you, though, is that you can proclaim the gospel in the little things, the ordinary things. And I think the hardest thing about this is that we often overlook it because we call them ordinary things. There are hundreds of opportunities every day where we can proclaim the goodness of Christ and the ordinary things in our attitudes and about the ways that we go after them. Church, let's proclaim his sacrificial love. And then thirdly, abide in his provision. Abiding in the provision that Christ offers. John 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. If you're familiar with it, you know Jesus says his, his final I am statement there. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. Again, the festivals were meant to point to the presence of God in the community of God, literally in the tabernacle as they were wandering, making their way from Egypt to the Red Sea and into the promised land. They followed God in the presence of a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They abided in him where when he moved, they moved. When he stayed, they stayed. We don't have that luxury today, I know but we actually have something much better. We have the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And that's what you see in the rest of John 15 and 16. Christ dwells in us. God dwells in us. So abide in it. Don't cut it off. Don't ignore it. Don't wall off that part of the room. No, let Christ have all of it. 
Abide in Christ. There's a tension that exists in abiding because I know, because I've been there, I feel like I experience it on a regular basis, is that the more often you're around someone, the less aware of their presence you become. A lot of that has to do with my own attitude, not the person, not the other person. There's an overfamiliarity, and that overfamiliarity sometimes turns into apathy, sometimes turns into cynicism, right? Sometimes even will turn into doubt. And that's a unique tension for the Christian to live in between apathy and zeal. Yes, ideally, we would all live in zeal for the Lord but we are undoubtedly going to run into moments of apathy. And when you do, when you are in that valley, would you gaze upward and remember in whom you are abiding and who abides in you, and that is Christ. One of the greatest benefits of the church is that we are a church that not only exists here and now, we are a church that is a continuation of a church that has existed then and there for centuries, for millennia. And we're not going to go all the way back, but you can go back to the Puritans. And the Puritans, uh, they had this, um, they had multiple prayers that were written. And a collection of these prayers were brought together in the Valley of Vision. Fantastic little resource. A lot of it you can get for free online. But the opening prayer in this book, The Valley of Vision, goes like this. And I don't have it. Just make a note of it in your, uh, in your phones. Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, thou hast brought me to the valley of vision. And you might already be thinking, when you're in the valley, how can you see? Keep listening. Where I live in the depths, but I see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime stars can be seen the deepest wells. And the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Now listen to this. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death, thy joy in my sorrow, thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory, not on my mountain, thy glory in my valley. We abide with Christ. And wherever we are, Christ abides with us. That is good news for the believer. How do we live a life of abiding in Christ? Well, we do exactly what Jerry Bridges talks about in his book, uh, Disciplines of Grace. Decades, years before it was popular to talk about this, Mr. Bridges was doing it. And he says this, you need to preach the gospel to yourself daily. Everything that I just walked through in the festivals, that was a picture of the gospel. We have a neat opportunity today 
New Year's Eve to remember, to proclaim, and to abide. Some of you, as you are celebrating tonight, may sing a song called Auld Lang Syne, which means old long since, archaic Scottish language that we don't really use today, but it's become associated with New Year's Day. Listen to the chorus of that song. It says, and for long, long ago, my dear, for long, long ago, we'll take a cup of kindness yet for long, long ago. It is a wistful thinking of the past and a hope for the future. But it's not rooted in anything, is it? As you look back, as you consider your present, as you look forward, let it be rooted in the cross of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his indwelling. We're going to sing a song that's going to use the melody of Auld Lang Syne, but you're going to see that it's not about you and it's not about me, but rather it's about the glory of God. So let 2024 be exactly that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would be a people that is following hard after you, as the psalmist says that we would be about your glory and not our own. And that is why we can say, even when we are in the midst of the valley, we can look up and say, God, you are with me and you are for me because you promised so. And your promise is deep because you shed blood over it and you conquered the grave over it. So God, would you be a comfort? Yes. Would you help us to remember? Yes. And would you help us to be hopeful and be zealous for you? Yes, in this next year, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Sermon Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and to find other sermons from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.